Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Deacon Kevin, and I am, as Father mentioned, from uh, Geneva. I'm assigned to Our Lady of Peace Parish, but also part of my assignment is Catholic Relief Services. So I know oftentimes when you hear about a missionary coming in, you expect a second collection, and I'm not doing that today. And I'll tell you why. Years ago, when I was just becoming a deacon, a young boy after Mass came up to me after Mass and said, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to get a great job and give you all my money. And I thought, wow, I must have done a pretty good job. But before I could say thank you, he went on to say, because my dad says, you're the poorest preacher he's ever heard. So, <laughs> so I know I got my work cut out for me. I won't be that bad today, I promise. So, Our readings are wonderful today. As we enter into this Lent, our second weekend of Lent, it's, it's a happy time, really. I know a lot of times people look at it as a... You know, time of reflection, of, you know, confession, looking at our own sins, alms and fast giving, or fasting. And, but it's really a, a time where we become closer to God. You know, our second reading says it perfectly. If, if God is with us, who could possibly be against us? That God loved us so much that he gave his only son. Our first reading is about Abraham going up on the mountain, and he's being called by God to sacrifice his only son. I only have one son myself, and I can't imagine what was going through Abraham's mind, that, that this God that he loved so deeply, who loved him in return, who'd given him so much, and he's asking him to sacrifice one of the most precious things he has in this world, his only son. And yet that's what God does for us, because he loves us so much. He sent his only son to be with us and die on a cross for us. And during Lent, we focus on that, about that love that God has for us and that call to obedience that Abraham shows us. In our gospel reading, we hear about the transfiguration. And after Elijah and Moses disappear, the cloud comes and God says, This is my son. Listen to him. My beloved son, listen to him. Throughout the year when we come to church, we hear about all the miraculous things uh, that Jesus did for us, setting an example for us. Because you and I, we too are called to that obedience like Abraham was in in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the first reading today. And later we'll see how Jesus even struggles with that. Later in Lent we'll hear how he's in the agony, in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the the agony, saying, God, if this chalice can be taken away from me, do so, but not my will, your will. That obedience to God, the Father, that we're all called to. I remember when I was ordained in 2005, how I struggled with my calling to become a deacon. I was filled with doubt and fear and and selfishness for my own time. And I wondered why God would call me I was scared to death of public speaking. I wasn't a very, and I'm still not a very smart person. And I was scared to death thinking, God, there's so many other people who would be better at this than me. And it took me years to get over that, to understand that this is what God wanted of me and trying to follow that obedience to his, his desire, his will for me. And so I went through the program and I got ordained. And yet I still struggled after my ordination. So in 2006, someone asked me if I'd go to Jamaica to serve the poor. 
which is really what I love to do. That was my background before. Soup kitchens, overnight shelters, things like that. I loved being with the poor and the voiceless. And I'd never been to a developing country before. So I thought maybe this is where God wanted me to go. And I was trying to have an open heart, an open mind. So I remember flying to Jamaica, and it was February in Rochester. And you know what Februarys are like here. And Jamaica seemed a lot nicer. So I got off the plane, and it was 80 degrees and sunny, and it was beautiful. And I remember thanking God for this opportunity. And they put me on this little bus, and about 20 minutes later, we got off at our first stop. And I was so excited to serve and see what God had in store for me. And the first thing I noticed was a stench in the air. It was terrible. And where I realized where they had brought us to was a landfill called Riverton. It was a landfill just outside of Kingston, the Jamaica. And I couldn't believe I was here. I was like, I have landfills back home. Why would they bring me here? And as I walked about 70, 80 yards, I saw this vast pit, literally a couple square miles. And it's just like any other landfill you could picture in your mind. It was bugs and rodents and birds all over, garbage floating around, the smell. But it was very different because this one was filled with people, thousands of people. And I was told these people live here because they have nowhere else to go. And as I took this in, it's a very different thing to hear a story or see a picture when you're standing there and all five of your senses are under attack. I wasn't used to the heat. I was sweating profusely. The smell was terrible. Little kids grabbing at my pant legs asking for food or money. There was moms with babies on their backs lifting or going through garbage. Dads lifting heavy objects trying to find something underneath. Children running all over the place. I remember two little boys vividly just finding this old rotted plantain or banana and and splitting it between them and eating it. And my stomach became so nauseous. And all of a sudden, I started to realize that I didn't want to be in Jamaica. This was too hard, Lord. I, I had no idea. I never knew. And just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, this garbage truck comes down the road to my left and dozens of people ran for it. And Father Paul, who was my guide that day, told me that they're hoping that's from one of the tourist areas because they have the best garbage. My heart broke right there. I had no idea. I got back on that bus and I cried. All that hurt, all that suffering. My next stop was an orphanage. And I walked in and the first thing I noticed was about 50 children all in wheelchairs and beds with severe disabilities. And these two little guys, Danny and Stephen were their name, just grabbed at my arm and pulled me towards them. And I got down on my knees and they were so happy to have a visitor. And I was so grateful to see their smiles and their love. And we just hugged each other. And I needed that so much after my last experience. It was almost like God was reaching out and saying, it's okay, it's going to be okay. Reminding me of how his love for me. And that I had to keep going on. And as I walked through that orphanage, seeing all the disabilities of these children, I noticed a bed off to the far corner. And I began to walk towards it. But one of the staffers stopped me, saying, you don't have to go there. I asked why. I wanted to go visit. And I was told that this little girl was dying. Oftentimes when the children are that close to death, they separate them from the rest of the group because the other children get so sad and upset to see their friend dying in front of them. So they separate them off. 
And I walked over and I sat down next to her. She was about 10 years old. And the staffer told me she'd been there since she was two weeks, laying in this bed. She suffered from hydrocephalus, which is water on the brain. And her head was greatly enlarged. And she was close to death. She couldn't laugh. She couldn't reach out. She couldn't smile like all the other children that I just spent time with. All she could do was lay there and look up at me with these big, beautiful brown eyes. I remember holding her hand and stroking her hair. And I wondered to God, why? What's the purpose, Lord? Why would you bring this little girl into this world to suffer like this in this in this bed her whole life? Why would you do this? I went home about a week later, and I remember pulling in my driveway, just looking at my house, how blessed I was. I had a house. I had electricity. I had running water. I had food, heat. My children, if they got sick, my wife could take them to the doctor and get the medicine they needed. They were going to school, getting an education. They had a future. And I was able to provide for them the thing any father would want to do most for his children. And I was blessed that way. A few days later, I got a call, and I found out that that little girl who I sat with had passed away. God had called her home. And as I prayed about that, I finally began to understand that God did bring her into this world for a very big purpose, at least in my life. And that was how God reached out to me and made me understand why I was called to be a deacon. All the fame and the prestige and the power in our country, all the the things that we hold in esteem, it took a little girl laying in a bed that couldn't move, who couldn't respond to me. And that's how God spoke to me and made me understand, this is why I called you, Kevin, to the diaconate. So you can come back and share these stories with people in America and and tell them about the difference you and I can make. And that's what CRS Rice Bowl is. Father mentioned it at the beginning of Mass. And you've been part of this program for years. CRS is the Catholic Church. It's you and I reaching out in over 112 countries around the world right now. It's you touching lives. I can't tell you how many moms and dads have cried on my shoulder. I've been to Kenya, Nicaragua, Haiti, Jamaica. How they've just held me and cried on my shoulder and said, you know, we go to our government, we go to our town officials, we go to our neighbors for help, and we have nowhere to go. No one can help us, or no one listens to our, our pleas for help. So we have to turn to God. And we know that God does hear our prayers because he answers them through a program like Rice Bowl. He works through you. He's answering prayers all around the world where people have nowhere else to go. And you, my friends, are living the gospel. When you put a few dollars in that Rice Bowl and turn it in at the end of Lent, that's you. That's God working through you. And in our gospel, we hear about the transfiguration. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people transfigured right before my eyes. A child that hasn't eaten in days, all of a sudden she has food. The joy of a mother being able to feed her child or buy medicine. To know that God hears their prayers and has answered their prayers through you reaching out. 
That little rice bowl. God in action. You in action. Reaching out. When I stood in front of that landfill and I saw, saw those thousands of people, I would felt helpless. There's 7 billion people in the world and 3 billion of them live on $2 a day or less. If you had $2 today for yourself, where would you spend it? On food? What if you had a sick child who needed medicine? An education to escape the poverty you were simply born into? When you reach out, you are God in action. And the one thing they always tell me is to come back and say, thank you. Thank you for living the gospel. Thank you for transfiguring people all over this world to give them hope. I've seen the prayers answered. I've seen miracles. I've seen life. I've seen you in action. God in action working through all of you. All your gifts, talents, and abilities. Thank you for responding to his call. Thank you.